What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, and I'm unhinged today. Most of you guys probably don't know what that means because it's been a long time since I've done an unhinged podcast. So, to explain it, this is a fantasy football podcast, right? That's true. But when Brandon, that's me, gets unhinged, I talk about whatever I want to talk about. And we've got the draft coming up, and I know we're all super excited for it. A lot of people, are pumping out mock drafts. I've done some of that. I may or may not put out a predictive mock draft in podcast form. I probably will, but that's not going to happen until next week if I do so. So I kind of wanted to take a step back from fantasy and kind of talk about things that affect this draft, right? What's the ultimate goal of the NFL draft? The ultimate goal is to build a team that can win the Super Bowl. And so I started thinking, how do you build a Super Bowl winner? And so that's what I made this podcast topic about, been doing some research, and by the way, (laughs) I mean, by the way, the Bucs just won the Super Bowl, and I've been a lifelong Bucs fan, so I am now officially qualified to talk about how to build a Super Bowl winner because I am now a licensed expert because my team just won, obviously. So with all that said, we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about what I think are the three key ingredients to make a team that has a shot at the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. And I'm going to back it up with historical context, and I'm going to give you guys the breakdowns and specifics and how that affects this draft and all that stuff. So if you're looking for some good football content, some good football talk, stay. This is the episode for you. If you're looking for strictly fantasy football stuff, then just wait till the next podcast next week. And uh, I hope that you'll give a unhinged episode a chance next time. But with that said, let's get it started. How to build a Super Bowl winner. I think the number one key ingredient, and give me a second to explain here because you're probably going to think I'm crazy. The number one key ingredient is having one of these two things. A rookie quarterback or a quarterback who takes pay cuts or is willing to basically be humble and not ask for astronomical amounts of money so that you can spend money elsewhere. So you need to find that quarterback with, and how do you know a quarterback's going to turn into this when they're a rookie? They need to have the will to win being the number one priority in their life above everything else. You see it in Tom Brady. And even though Mahomes just started making crazy money, He's already starting to take pay cuts, so he could end up becoming that next quarterback that allows a dynasty to exist around him because he is not draining the organization of their money, of their salary cap. So you need that will to win. You need the humility in the quarterback. And if it's not one of those things, then you need him to be a rookie and to get good real quick, right? So let's look at why that is the case, why I think that's the most important thing. 
Expensive quarterbacks, they straight up handicap teams. And guess what? In a team or in a league as competitive as the NFL, you cannot win with a handicap. You might be saying, okay, Brandon, plenty of people have. Have they? Have plenty of people won the Super Bowl with a quarterback making a lot of money? I actually have a hundred percent foolproof context to prove the opposite. Here are the last ten. The last 10 years, okay, all the Super Bowl winners and their quarterbacks. This year, Tom Brady was making $25 million, won the Super Bowl. That was 15th highest paid in the league. So, league average, that's $25 million. He could have been making much more than that. Should be, should have been making much more than that. Last year, Patrick Mahomes was on a rookie deal when he won the Super Bowl. The year before that, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. How much was he making? $15 million outside of the top 20 highest paid quarterbacks. The year before that was when the Patriots got upset by the backup quarterback led Eagles. And if you look at their quarterback situation, they had not much money invested into it. They had a rookie quarterback with Carson Wentz and then Foles on a backup deal. So once again, not much money in the quarterback spot. Then, before that, another Patriots Super Bowl where Brady was making $20.5 million. So, boom, that's the last five years already. And the most money to the quarterback of the winning team in the Super Bowl in the last five years was this year with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, $25 million to Brady. Let's keep going. When Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl versus Carolina, he was making $17 million. Then Brady won the year before that. He was making $9 million. Then Russell Wilson, I almost said Westbrook. Russell Wilson won the year before that on his rookie deal. When the Ravens played the 49ers the year earlier, Flacco was making $5.9 million. And then after that Super Bowl, he signed that huge deal. And lastly, 10 years ago, when Eli Manning beat the Patriots, he was making $16 million. If you take out the rookie contracts, the rookie deals, all the the teams that won Super Bowls with a quarterback on a rookie deal, obviously that's way less money than what we've been talking about. You take that out, and still the average of the rest of the quarterbacks is very small, $15.5 million on average to the Super Bowl winning quarterback. If you go just the last five years without the rookies, it's $20 million. We have quarterbacks, lots of quarterbacks, making 30-plus million. Mahomes just signed for 45. Dak just signed for, what was it, 35 or 40? Something ridiculous. I think it was 40. We have all these quarterbacks signing for so much money, and every time I see one of those contracts, in my head, I'm like, nope, that team's not winning the Super Bowl. Nope, that team's not winning the Super Bowl. And it might sound weird, but it's proven. It's proven that the facts are there. So that's number one. And it's not, you can't just have a rookie quarterback, right? You can't just have a quarterback who's willing to take pay cuts or not make as much so that you can bring in weapons. Obviously, it goes without saying the quarterback needs to have the ability to have a great year too. It's not just have a cheap quarterback. You have to have a quarterback who's good, obviously. But it doesn't have to be someone who's great every single year as long as they can put together a good year. Like, for example, the Eagles with Wentz and Foles. Like, for example, 
Um, Joe Flacco with the the Ravens. He wasn't great every year, but he was able to put together a great season at the right time. So that's basically the first point. Now, the second point is one that hits home for everyone, especially the older people listening and everyone that grew up in the hard-hitting, not very many penalties thrown football that we all loved. And that's, you need an elite defense because defense wins championships. Let's look at all of those teams we just talked about. The Bucks won from an elite defense. Mahomes and the Chiefs, that's the one, the one exception in the last 10 years. Then Brady, the year before, Patriots always have good defense. The Eagles had an elite defense when they beat the Patriots. Then the Patriots won the year before that. They always have a good defense. Peyton Manning wasn't even playing that great, but the Broncos had an elite defense. Once again, we had Brady in an elite defense. Then Russell Westbrook, Legion of Boom, elite defense. Or, I said Westbrook, Russell Wilson. Joe Flacco and the Ravens, they had an elite defense. Eli Manning and the Giants, that took down the Patriots twice. Elite defense. That's the last 10 Super Bowl winners. The only team to not have an elite defense was Patrick Mahomes. That's it. That is it. So that is something you need for sure. And this kind of ties in to my third point and my first point, both. Because it's hard to have an elite defense when you have a super expensive quarterback, one. And two, it's hard to have an elite defense when you don't hit on your draft picks and don't bring in good free agents. And that's the third point. So number one, you need that rookie quarterback or a quarterback who's just not making much money. You need a low contract or medium contract quarterback that has the ability to have a great year. You need an elite defense. And lastly, you need to hit on draft picks and a few key free agents. I got some got some examples. The Bucks killed it. They killed it in drafts. Antoine Winfield, this is just the last few years. Antoine Winfield, Tristan Wirfs, Chris Godwin, Vita Vea, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, Ali Marpet. And then they topped it off with free agents like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Ryan Jensen a couple years ago when we got grabbed him from Baltimore. The Patriots, they did it in free agency all the time, which is actually hilarious because it made up for their horrible draft skills. The Patriots had guys all the time coming in for cheaper deals in free agency because of Brady and because, guess what? The Patriots had money to spend. And you know what? I'm actually going to take back what I said. I said that you need the cheap contract quarterback, the elite defense, and hit on draft picks and key free agents, but that kind of goes into another point, which is elite coaching. So let's make that third point elite coaching because that includes being able to develop those drafted players and those free agents. So you need that very good coaching. And if you've got those three things, you've got a shot. So let's look at how to build a roster correctly with money because that's the tricky part, right? It's easy to say, oh yeah, get a cheap quarterback, that's good. Build a great defense and hit on your draft picks and have a good coach. It's easy to say that, but how do you actually build that? Well, the way I like to look at it and the way I think you build a Super Bowl winning roster is you have to first analyze the positional market value. What do I mean by that? I mean, 
when you're building a Super Bowl team, it's not something that happens like that one or two years. It's something that you're building over the course of three, four, maybe five years, right? So you have to build it in a specific way. If you get your corners and your offensive tackles and your edge defenders in year one and two that are really good, by the time you hit that curve, when you're ready to win, those guys are up for their second contracts and those are the most expensive positions and you can't bring them all back. So you got to pay attention to how you build your team. You've got to go for, for example, the interior offensive linemen because elite interior offensive linemen are much cheaper, much easier to keep around, keep in the building at a lower cost than elite offensive tackles, right? That interior O-line, those guards and centers are much easier to keep around. You've got the same thing with other positions like linebackers and safeties and defensive tackles. Yes, those guys will get really expensive too, but they're not nearly as expensive as your $20 million wide receiver and your $20 million corner and your $17 to $19 million tackle and your $20 million edge defender. Those guys, you can only have a couple if you have them on second contracts. So those are guys you want to look at getting a little bit later on, right? You get to the expensive positions a little later on because if not, you're going to lose them to second contracts. Not all of them, but some of them. So you can't peak too early at those certain elite positions. You want to kind of have them under that rookie contract still. Lastly, so we start with the interior offensive line. That's my preference. You build the line, build your protection, then build the, def- the defensive line the inside. Have the interior on both sides. Grab your linebackers. Grab You could grab tight ends if that's important to the offense that you run specifically. Grab your safeties. And then as you move along, grab your edges in year two, three. Grab your corners in year three, four. Grab your wide receivers in year three, four. Your offensive tackles in four, five, three, four, whatever. You just want to get those expensive positions later on. And lastly, that's when you drop in the quarterback. In the ideal scenario, you drop in the quarterback after two reasons. Actually, three reasons. Quarterback is the most expensive. Everyone knows that. And like we talked about, you need the quarterback to not be making a crazy amount of money if you want to win. If you want to have a team built around them, that's good enough. Because let's face it, there are a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. And while Patrick Mahomes is an X-Factor player, so is Russell Wilson. So is Aaron Rodgers. So is Tom Brady. So is a couple other guys. Not into that tier, but there's a couple other ones that I didn't mention. Deshaun Watson is one of them, one good example. So just having that X factor, that's not going to be good enough to put you over the top. It's going to come down to what's your supporting cast versus the others. And whichever one of those quarterbacks makes less money and allows their team to build a better roster around them is going to be the one that wins. That's what we've seen. That's what history tells us. So that's the first reason you want to drop in quarterback last so you have the biggest window of a lot of money to move around to other positions. Second, if you have a good team around the quarterback, guess what? The quarterback is way more likely to develop, to develop properly and end up being good and not get injured. And that's just that's such an important thing. We see so many quarterbacks go to horrible situations. Who knows how good Sam Darnold would have been if he got drafted to a different team. If he wasn't with the Jets, he might not be what he is now. And 
We may say he's in a better situation now with Carolina, but if he's built so many bad habits over like a ridiculous amount of snaps in the NFL, what what he's been in the league for three years now, I think, with the Jets, right? So he's built bad habits for three years with the Jets that he would not have built if he went to a good team with better coaching. So even though he's in a good situation now, it might be too late. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And if Joe Brady can pull something off, that would be nice and would definitely help him get a coaching job. But nevertheless, getting back to the point, that's why you want to drop in quarterback at the end, right? You have money for a longer time, better chance that the quarterback doesn't get injured and better chance that the quarterback develops and doesn't have bad tendencies, bad habits, and can be good for the long term for your team. So boom, that's it. Quarterback, drop them in. And then lastly, you haven't heard me talk about running backs yet. You drop that in on a rookie deal as well. And running backs is one of the fastest transitioning positions from college to the NFL for success overall. So if you drop in that running back, once you're in that win window, you're good to go because we know that teams don't like paying running backs. So that's it. That's all you need. Voila, you're ready to win the Super Bowl. I should just go, you know, submit my, uh, what is it called? Submit my whatever resume. There it is for a GM because I got it figured out. No, I'm just playing, but that's how I think. That's what I feel helps a team get ready for that Super Bowl window because we've seen it. And obviously, you can't do everything in the perfect order, I said. But if you follow that general guideline, in my opinion, that's going to be very successful. That's what I've noticed among a lot of the past teams that have won. So with all that said, we have to try to apply this. We have to try to see how this affects things. So like I said, I want to take a step back from fantasy. So you can think about the fantasy implications of these things, but I don't want to focus on that solely. I want to focus more on the teams and what teams I think I can get uh, can get a lot better. There are teams that have not made the playoffs or barely made the playoffs and shouldn't because their record was garbage and they just played in a garbage division. Washington. But these teams, I think, there's five of them, could go from bottom of the barrel to Super Bowl winner in the next two to five years. And then after that, we'll talk about how that should affect the outlook for fans of those teams in the draft. So I think San Fran is in a great position. They have a well-built team. They still have a good defense. And they will drop money that they have tied in quarterback soon once they get to move off Garoppolo. They're probably going to have him this year and then move off of him and have some more money freed up to spend elsewhere. And they're going to have a quarterback on a rookie contract because we know that's why they traded up to three. They also have a great coach in Shanahan, and Shanahan has weapons already ready to go. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got George Kittle. He's got Brandon Ayuk. He's got a good run game always that helps set up play action. And he's pretty good with quarterbacks. So I'm fully confident in whatever quarterback he thinks is the best and that they draft. Well, actually, not fully confident because if it's Mac Jones, uh But it's not going to be Mac Jones, guys. Like, I've been saying this the whole time. Once everyone was on that Mac Jones, you guys know I was saying it's not going to be Mac Jones. It's probably going to be Fields or or Lance, and I've been leaning Fields. Um, I initially thought Lance when they first made the move because of how it lined up with his, like, pro day and and everything like that. But after, like, a couple days passed, you guys know I said Fields because we had the the mock draft with Nate where we both thought Fields was going to be the pick. And that was a while ago. But anyways... 
I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. That's a great spot, a great team that's on that path of what I was talking about. And they're going to be able to drizzle on the honey, put on the cherry on the top of the ice cream or whatever, because they're going to have money to spend on free agency to fill whatever holes that they don't plug in the draft along with quarterback. So that's one team, the 49ers. Team number two, and I hate to say this because I'm a Bucks fan, so that's a hint, Carolina. They could find themselves in this position after the Darnold experiment goes wrong, which it might not, but if it if it doesn't go wrong, then they're going to have to pay him. And if they're deciding to keep him, that means he probably looked really good. And if they have to pay him, they're probably going to be paying him a lot. And then all of a sudden, they're out of this conversation. So it's very, very important to see how they handle the Darnold experiment. But I think that they're in a great position if they're able to move off of them after a year or two because they have a good young team, very young team. Their defense is young and getting better. Derek Brown on the D-line. Brian Burns on the D-line. Jeremy Chin, great safety, just showed out. Dante Jackson, Hassan Reddick, who they just brought in. Shaq Thompson, good linebacker who's pretty young. They've got a lot of pieces there, and we know they have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, and they may end up with another stud, either offensive lineman or wide receiver or tight end. If Pitts falls, I definitely think he's the pick for them if he falls to eight. He probably won't, but he might. I think he goes at six, but to Miami in terms of like predictive so he's probably not gonna make it but that's just something to keep in mind if he's there at eight that's his floor in my opinion I don't see him getting past Carolina they also have money to spend in the future because they have a lot of young guys still that will still be young in a year or two and I think they're a super good candidate for drafting a quarterback in the 2023 class so look out for that and that's a nice class it looks like they've got some stud quarterback coming up in that one so I think Carolina is very, very well on pace for becoming a Super Bowl team. If they just continue doing what they've been doing, they've been drafting well. If they continue to do so, I really like what that team can be. So that's team number two. Now, team number three is the Chargers. The Chargers are there right now. See, San Fran and Carolina are missing the quarter quarterbacks as of right now. The Chargers have the quarterback, so they're on the clock. The clock is running for the Chargers window. Because once you pay Herbert, you're going to start losing pieces. They're going to start dropping like flies because you're not going to be able to afford them. So you've got to pull this off while he's on his rookie contract. And he's already looking ready to carry the team. He just needs some better coaching. If they get that coaching together, plug. they don't have that many holes, honestly. If they just plug a few holes, Mahomes is really their only real problem because he's in their division. But they could also easily get through the playoffs without having to play Mahomes if Mahomes lost somewhere else, which might not happen. But the Chargers are are dangerous, man. They can really, they, they are so close. Their record doesn't show it last year, but they lost so many games from pure stupidity, so many games at the last second. And I expect them to win those games this year. It's gonna, we're gonna have to see how their coach Brandon something, I can't remember his name right now, his last name, but we're going to have to see how he hold, like how he coaches that defense because if that defense comes up and is a whole lot better and also just healthier in general because the Chargers are always killed by injuries, then that team is going to be super good. 
So that's team number three. Team number four is another team that grabs a rookie quarterback, Miami. They could find themselves in that window depending on how they draft with all their picks this year next. They have so many picks. So many picks. Which honestly, if Tua doesn't work out, they have enough picks to just reset the window by grabbing a quarterback in a couple years if Tua doesn't work out. So very interesting there. They're actually a team. Somebody approached me on Twitter about this. I think it's called Symbol. If, if you're somebody who likes to do stocks and stuff, they actually have this app that you can invest in teams, in NFL teams. So I, I'm thinking I'm going to get into it. I just haven't had really much time to look at it yet, but it seems pretty cool. And basically, from what I understand, you're investing in an NFL team and Every game that that NFL team wins, your stock goes up. Every time they lose, you don't. your stock doesn't go down from them losing. Your stock goes down from their perceived value as a team going down. So usually it goes hand in hand, right? When a team is losing games, the perceived value of that team goes down in the market. So that would cause your stock to go down. But I think Miami is great, a great team, for example, to buy in on right now if you're doing sports stocks like that because... They're going to start winning games, and they're going to get better and better, and everyone's down on Tua right now, so it's perfect to buy in. I think when they add some weapons, which I fully expect to happen in this draft, Tua's going to look a lot better. That team is just going to keep rolling and getting better, especially with how many picks they have. They've been drafting pretty well, too, just like the Panthers have. So I really believe in this Miami team. Whether it's through Tua or not, they've built a really good team. They've got coaching down, right? That was one of... Coaching was one of the uh, key ingredients. Being able to draft and bring in free agents was part of that that um, ingredient. And also, I mean, you could just make it its own fourth ingredient. But they've been doing that as well. They have the quarterback that I believe has the ability to pull together a great season. So they've really got it all there. The elite defense is not too far away with some of the guys that they've got there. So... I really like Miami as well. And lastly, so that's four. Lastly is Washington. If they do not trade up for Mac Jones, they could be in this win scenario, this Super Bowl window in a, a couple years, I think. Because if if a quarterback shows up out of nowhere in 2022, kind of like Joe Burrow did, then I think they should be in the conversation for that quarterback. Or 2023 in that class with Carolina, then I think that's a, that's another conversation there too. I don't like it though if they trade up for Mac Jones because there's two problems. If they trade up for Mac Jones, one, Mac Jones is a very limited player. He doesn't have a high ceiling and he's going to need a lot around him to be successful. You can win with that. You can win with that, but you're going to need elite coaches. You're going to need an elite supporting cast, especially an elite defense. So I'm not keen on that as a decision for Washington. I think... Plus, the second part of that would be that they're trading up, so they're also giving up future assets, so it's going to be harder to build around them. So that's like a lose-lose in my in my eyes. I'm not a big Mac Jones guy. I think he'll be all right, but... I mean, Tua looked amazing, right? And everyone's down on Tua now. Really, what's the difference with Mac Jones? He was in a great situation, in a great offense, and he doesn't have a spectacular spectacular ability to avoid getting sacked to move out of the pocket to make off-platform throws he's very just stand in the pocket make good throws when I don't have pressure in my face because when he's pressured he's not that great so 
that's just my little mini thing on Mac Jones. But Washington is that fifth team. So we've got Carolina, the 49ers, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Washington football team. So now let's talk about the outlook, how that affects the draft itself. If we look at the 49ers, they need to grab Fields or Lance. It better not be Mac Jones or I am out. They need Fields or Lance. Then they need to grab some offensive linemen, a safety, and a quarterback. And then they're pretty much set. They can just finish plugging any non-drafted spots in free agency next year. And boom, year two for Fields or Lance, they could win it all. Maybe year three, year four. But they, if they get Fields, I'm telling you, once again, going back to that sports stock thing, if I start that and they draft Fields, I am investing into San Fran for sure. For sure. They've got the coaching. They've got the defense. They've got enough capital to plug holes. And some money will open up as well in the quarterback spot. So that's a good situation. Miami, they need to give two separators. They need another body on the interior offensive line. They need a stud linebacker and a real edge threat. Right? So separators and then three more players after that. And they've got so much draft capital, so much ammo to be able to do that before the two contract is up. Miami, just like the Chargers, you're on the clock because Tua's contract is ticking. Carolina, they need to grab an offensive tackle, a cornerback, a tight end for Darnold, and then replace Darnold with the quarterback in 2023, that would suddenly turn the Panthers into a favorite of mine to contend for a Super Bowl the next few years thereafter. The Chargers need to finish their offensive line, although they did make two awesome additions that are very solid. So if they don't go offensive line in the first round, it's not the worst thing in the world, which they were pretty much locked into that in mock drafts before free agency because their offensive line was just so bad. But they plugged some holes there, so they could finish the offensive line and then anticipate and draft. This is what I would do. Anticipate and draft a wide receiver or tight end. If Kyle Pitts somehow made it to the Chargers, that would be the dream scenario, but that's unlikely. We already talked about the fact that I think the floor is Carolina. But Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, probably not Jamar Chase, but Devonta Smith might fall. Maybe Rashad Bateman and they'll probably just end up going O-line and finishing O-line, which I think is the right decision. But if not, anticipate the needs that you will have soon because Mike Williams is going to leave in free agency, most likely. You just lost Hunter Henry. You can't just have Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. You need another weapon there for Herbert. So that's why I would be looking at wide receiver tight end. And then lastly, they need to add a edge defender next to Bosa. You've got three years to do it once again. Like I said earlier, the Chargers, you're on the clock. Washington... They need an offensive tackle. They need some help in the secondary. And just add one more weapon. And then you drop in the quarterback at the end. Drop in the quarterback at the end, Washington. Don't trade up and give up a bunch of assets to go up and get Mac Jones. And then not have capital to help him out after that. I know your defense is good. I know you just signed Curtis. But Curtis and Terry and Gibson, they're good. But you need one more. You need one more name there, either one more name there, or you just need to make that offensive line much better. And neither of those things are going to happen if you trade up for Mac Jones. So no, thank you. Don't do that. Just build the team, be patient and grab your quarterback next year or the year after. That's what I think needs to be done for these five teams. 
And those are the five teams that I would be looking into invest on if I'm doing, you know, like stocks on sports teams or just in general. Those are teams I expect to make a come up. They've got good coaching. They've got a semblance of a good defense. Most of them have good defenses. And most of them also have a lot of capital to be able to make up for any holes that they may have. The ones that don't have much capital, guess what? They don't have much holes. So those are the rosters that I like. That is the way to build a Super Bowl winner. Once again, the three key ingredients, a cheap quarterback with the ability for a great season because you're letting money build the team around you because you're not hogging it all. Having an elite defense, which you need that money for, and having elite coaching along with the ability to hit on draft picks and free agency. If you have those three things, kind of four, then you got a shot. So thanks for listening to my rant, my unhinged podcast. I wanted to switch it up a little bit. I, I want to give a type of content that is not really being talked about right now. Because if I just go mainstream, that's easy. It's easy to go mainstream. Honestly, I probably get more listens when I go mainstream. When I release a mock draft, I get more listens than pretty pretty much any other type of topic. But everyone's doing mock drafts. I want to do something a little bit different, give you guys a different taste of football and podcasting at this time because it's kind of oversaturated with certain topics. So with that said, <laughs> I am going to go mainstream and give you guys the podcast with a mock draft next week. But the reason I do so is not because that's what everybody else is doing or what I think is going to be the most popular. It's so that I have a record that you can go back to and I can go back to when the draft is actually over a couple days after my mock releases, my predictive mock, and we can go back and go through it and say, all right, you know, I was able to predict these teams accurately with this information. What can I learn and how can I get better? How can we get better as a consensus trying to project teams for the future? You know, what teams do we have a good beat on? Tennessee, always. For some reason, everyone always knows what Tennessee is doing. I don't know why, but I would bet you, I would bet you Tennessee is grabbing Rashad Bateman or a corner. It's it's going to be Rashad Bateman or a corner. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Just wait. Unless one of the other receivers falls that isn't supposed to be there. Or if Bateman goes early and there's a run on corner, then maybe they'll do something else. But it's going to be most likely one of those two things. So just watch. Because everyone always knows what they're doing somehow. And that's what everyone's saying. So anyways, that's basically the plan coming up. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's a little different for sure, but sometimes different is good, right? So have a good one, guys. Drop a rating, drop a review if you can, and reach out to a friend. Thanks. Peace.